Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Robotics. My guest today is Dr. Ada Nazarene who is based in Luxembourg. So she's not strictly Australian, but Exaptic is the distributor of the QT robot. So I thought in a way she is based in Australia. So Ada, welcome and thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, hello, Nikki. Thank you very much for having me. And then we are really happy that QT uh, robot is some kind of like available in uh, Australia and then it can be uh, basically supporting children there as well. Of course, it's um, when when you and I were chatting in Puyan, um, my first little cutie arrived here and COVID struck at the same time. So cutie's been in Australia for a year now, but unfortunately as such, I haven't managed to get out to the market and show them what a fantastic little robot this is. Yeah, this is a year that uh, none of us expected <laughs> to be like this. So hopefully the next year would be better and then we can be more active in communicating with people. Yes, I think so. So tell, tell our audience, what is the QT robot and, and what has it been designed to do? So QT robot is a, a specialized uh, robotic platform which is aimed to be used uh, for children with uh, neurodevelopmental disorders and especially in the education. And in particular, it's designed to be helpful for children with autism. All right, so you obviously, you're a medical doctor. Um, who was part of the team with you in the design and conception of the QT robot? So basically the idea of the uh, building a robot for children with special needs came from the discussions that I had with Puyan, who is my co-founder, and his background is uh, cognitive robotics and uh, interactive robotics and AI. And then the idea came up uh, through the discussions that we had about how we can actually benefit from AI and robotic in the field of medicine and in healthcare. Because um, in reality, in healthcare, we have a lot of uh, basically obstacles and a lot of like issues that prevent us to basically provide the best service to uh, basically people who need a specialized healthcare support. One of them is that, for example, like there is a lot of shortage in people who are specialized in providing these services. And often what happens is that the ratio between people who actually need a specialized interventions and people who are able to provide these interventions is um, basically quite a lot in a sense that we have a lot of children who can, for example, like uh, benefit from a specialized educational sessions and uh, basically training sessions. But unfortunately, there is a few specialized people who can actually serve them. And in a sense, children would not be able to receive uh, the sufficient number of sessions that they required. And then at the end of the time, they would not be able to reach their full potential and develop as much as they could if they could have the uh, specialized session. So the idea came out in a sense that we thought that by using um, technology and in particular um, robotics combined with AI, we can be able to somehow replicate these specialized 
services and make it more accessible and available for people who need to have access to these services. So when you um, when you discuss this with Puyan, how from concept, how long did it take you to actually get the first hardware um, up and running? And, and how many iterations of QT did you um, design before you actually landed with the design we have today? So actually, it took us a lot of time to actually reach to autism as our uh, final, basically, niche applications, because you know that healthcare is quite a big domain and every um, basically domain and every category of services has its own um, special requirements. So uh, it's not the case that, for example, you imagine that I build a service or a robot that can fit, for example, like elderly care and can fit, for example, like childcare at the same time. Often you can uh, basically adapt some solutions to meet the need of different uh, requirements. But for us, it was a quite a long time to reach the conclusion that we want to be really focused on autism, mainly because we wanted to make sure that the solution that we develop is not just a fancy technology, but we wanted to make sure that it can really make a difference. And the reason that we chose uh, to work with autism was that we realized that, first of all, they are more in need in terms of um, basically the gap that exists in the availability of the services. But also we realized that using technology and using in particular robots is more meaningful for children with autism because the robots can offer exactly what they need in a sense that they really prefer uh, interaction, which is a little bit free of social demand to not to get overstimulated and overwhelmed and be able to focus, but they also have a preference for predictability and consistency and frequent repetition. So we thought that this is exactly what a robot can offer, something very predictable, very rule-based and structures. And we thought that using a robot can really um, be an impactful uh, solution for children with autism in a sense that give them what is required for their specific needs. And then after basically reaching to the conclusion that we want to be really focused on children with autism spectrum disorder, then it was the basically the beginning of the way because we had to have a lot of discussions with autism professional, parents of children with autism, and be able to understand what exactly is required for them to be able to use the robot. Because one side of the story is that a robot can be a useful tool for children with autism, but on the other side, it should be something that professionals and parents and people who are working with children should be also able to use it. So it was another round of discussions and iterations with autism professionals, parents, and basically every stakeholder in the field of autism to understand what is required for them and what is the result of their experience with kids to not to reinvent the wheel in a sense that they have a lot of knowledge that we could bring on board and then make it as some guidelines for the development of Q2 robots. So basically what you see from the design perspective of a robot to be very expressive, having a face that can show very simple and exaggerated faces, as well as having a humanoid body in a toddler size. These are all the things that came out from the discussion with the 
professionals in the field of autism to make sure what we are creating is something which is going to be uh, beneficial and useful for the field. And then it's the matter of uh, making sure that the robot is uh, not only basically friendly and approachable by the kids, but in the same time, very, very robust because you know that if a, if a robot is going to be used in the domain of children with a special need, we would expect the robot to work as long as a professional works. So basically if they start working from eight or nine in the morning until five or six in the evening, the robot should be robust enough and uh, useful enough that they can basically plug it in in the morning and then um, turn it off in the evening. So we had a lot of rounds of engineering as well as field tests at the same time to make sure that we can achieve this. And we make sure that, for example, we don't have any kind of uh, uh, challenges with the hardware that actually prevent the professionals to put the robot in use. And then, for example, I can give you some examples that at the beginning about, uh, I think about 2017, that we actually finalized the hardware and then we finalized the software. We did a round of field tested professionals and we realized that the robots very frequently come back broken. And we realized that, for example, like sometimes what happens is that the child gets excited and then, for example, wants to basically approach the robot or, for example, touch the robot while the robot is doing a gesture and then putting pressure opposite of the gestures would cause the motors to be easily broken. So then we had another round of like uh, intense mechanical design and engineering to actually modify the motors and replace them with something which has an aluminum gear and then install a variety of like protection software. So basically now the robot, if you touch the hands uh, or touch the head, for example, the opposite direction of the movement, then it senses that you are touching and there is a pressure. So basically it turns off the motor and protects the motor from being broken. So there was a lot of these um, small things which are actually very, very important to make sure that the robot is something useful and robust and make sure that what we are putting in the market is something which is not going to cause uh, any kind of like a disappointment, I would say in the market in a sense that Often when a parent or an autism center make a decision to purchase a robot, there's a lot of hopes that they are going to be impactful and they are going to be useful tools. So we wanted to make sure that they continue thinking the same thing rather having a robot, for example, damaged or broken or non-functional. Oh, you, you raise a very, um, very good point there because, you know, there are models on the market that um, they're so highly mechanical and mechanical that um, if you just tug the wrong thing, you can break a finger off. But Cutie's design in that way is actually quite, um, is quite good because the little fingers sort of fold over anyway. Yes, because... I would say a lot of times, for example, robots available in the market, they have been designed for a different use case, but the hardware has been adapted, uh, for example, to be used with children with a special need education, autism, and uh, different use cases. But the difference with QT is that from the beginning, it has been designed to be uh, useful and to be used in uh, real life scenarios. So for example, 
when you have a robot which is designed, for example, for research, often when you use the robot, it's in a very, very controlled environment of a research project in a university lab. So basically the requirements that you have for such a robot is completely different from a robot that you actually want to use it every single day and use it in a situation that is not as predictable as a lab. So from the beginning, our idea was that this robot is going to be used in real life schools and real life, uh, basically home of the people. So we should somehow predict what is going to happen and then be prepared to address it at this spot. Well, certainly um, the QTI I have in my office is very robust. I can attest to that if you um, if you should sort of dislocate a shoulder or any way that when it switches off, it, it pops the shoulder back in. So, um, you know, I think it's a fantastic little robot. So in terms of scientific papers and that anything like that, have there been papers to validate um, any studies that have been done? Yeah, so before starting the company and then before uh, starting to develop cute robot, both me and Puyan were uh, working as researchers and we were involved in uh, uh, basically research Puyan from the side of like AI and robotic and I was uh, from the side of the healthcare and uh, public health. So from the beginning for us it was very very important to make sure that what we are developing is going to really uh, be impactful and have values for kids. So basically from the initial design part until uh, basically creating the graphical interface for the robot as well as developing the curriculums, the research has been always a very important part of our um, job basically. So at the beginning, uh, as soon as we had like a working prototype, it was in, I think, early, um, I think mid 2015 or so. So it was just nothing similar to the cute robot that you see, but it was just a working prototype. So we immediately started working uh, with researchers and I started conducting um, basically research with children with autism to make sure that what we are doing is in the right direction and what we are doing is going to really have a benefit for kids. So uh, since then we have been actively working in this field and there is several uh, published papers about QT robot that actually validate that by using a robot, the first thing is that we can uh, provide added value in terms of improving the engagement and attention of the children, and then to provide a more uh, relaxed and overstimulating children to practice new skills in a sense that what we have seen is that uh, when QT is uh, leading a session and conducting a session with kids, uh, children have less um, signs of anxiety and disruptive behaviors in comparison to a time that uh, educator or a human being is conducting the same session. So we saw that children are able to sustain their attention and engagement for a longer duration of the time simply because the robot is not overestimulating them, the robot is very predictable so they are not concerned about what is going to happen and then it's providing like a um, consistent repetition in a sense that if they play a session with QT, the session would be exactly the same 
time every single time that they actually uh, play the session. So we saw that we have higher attention, we have longer duration of attention, and this can really contribute in a better outcome for the kids because basically the concentration and engagement is everything for learning. Another question that we tried to address in the research projects that we were involved with and collaborating with was that if a robot and this engagement that the robot is providing is something due to the novelty effect and it's caused by the fact that children have not seen a robot before or it is something which is sustainable and then to see if uh, this increased engagement and reduced anxiety and better concentration can really transform into something meaningful because at the end of the day we want children to be able to acquire skills that they can use in their daily life and improve their basically day-to-day -day interaction with others so having a higher engagement which is not transferred into a knowledge and a practical ability is not really meaningful by itself so we had another research project which was quite a lengthy one and uh, we evaluated um, emotional abilities of children with autism uh, through questionnaires from the parents and through the direct evaluation of the learners themselves. And then we delivered them uh, uh, emotional ability training, um, basically intervention. And then we re-evaluated them after seven sessions that each of them were one hour. And uh, what was the result of the observation was that um, we saw a very, very um, basically uh, significant improvement in children's mental health. In a sense that we saw in comparison to the start of the intervention, children had better emotional abilities in terms of understanding emotions and regulating emotions and being able to appropriately respond to emotions. But what was very, very impressive for us was to see that children has less uh, mental health issues which are caused by emotions. So they had less um, internalization uh, problems in a sense that when you have difficulty in emotion, the consequence is that you would get uh, depression and anxiety, which is caused by these um, difficulties. And we saw that children has less uh, anxiety and depressive, um, basically, symptoms after the intervention, mainly because they were more knowledgeable about emotions in themselves and others, and they felt more capable of uh, being able to respond and interact with other people in an emotional level. So I think I actually and of course had... after that, uh, yeah, and of course after that, uh, there are several universities which are using Huge Robot as a platform for research in autism and especially in the education that we see a lot of promising results coming from their research. And on top of that, it's um, almost like two years that QT is in the market. So the most interesting thing that we get is from like the autism professionals and parents that it's really different to create some results in the lab and it's uh, very basically meaningful to be able to see the same result and replication of the same improvement in the real life that we have a lot of like um, 
success stories from our customers, which are using the robot day to day uh, with kids, and they give us a lot of uh, new ideas and a lot of new, basically, ways to use the robot in a meaningful way that we didn't talk about them in the research setup before. That's wonderful, Ida. I mean, because as you say, um, doing research in a lab is completely different to actually having the robot out in, in real, real day, um, everyday life. And I think a lot of robots that have been designed in labs fall short when they go out because there's no real function for them. So I think I actually have some of the research papers. I'll put that in the show notes for our audience to read. Um, talk us through like a scenario, um, you know, autism has got obviously different developmental ages that we deal with. So the QT works from, um, if you could call it zero to 15. Um, tell us how, how it now actually works. If you, um, you've got a, a autism, you've got a therapist and then you've got the child and the robot. So, so how does this all work? So uh, th this is very important to know that, for example, like uh, when it comes to children with autism, we are discussing about a large variety of skills. So we have uh, social skills, we have emotional skills, we have communication and conversational skills, as well as we have some early stage development skills that we expect, for example, like a neurotypical child, would normally develop them within four years of life. And then each of these category, large categories of a skill can mean completely a different thing when it comes to a specific developmental age. So for example, like when you have a very, very young child, we have skills which such as, for example, making a joint attention or imitation, or for example, be able to um, uh, collaboratively play with other kids as well as like adults in the session, which we call them social skills, which is completely different from the social skills that we expect from, for example, like an older uh, and more advanced child, which is more about like, for example, being able to understand nonverbal cues and be able to communicate and make a conversation. So what we have done so far is to try to break these categories of skills into a smaller um, modules, which are actually targeted toward a very, very specific developmental age. And then based on the developmental age of the kids, we can actually provide them some set of activities which are developed by autism professionals and people with a lot of experience in the field to be able to provide uh, possibilities of um, basically practice for their developmental age. And then when we come to autism and we, when we talk to developmental age, um, it really um, varies in a sense that some children, let's say they are on the milder side of the spectrum. So basically uh, their developmental age is more close to their, for example, like real um, age. So they can basically practice the skills when they are very young. But often we see that there are some kids which are either on the more severe side of the spectrum or for some reason they didn't have the opportunity to basically have enough uh, educational sessions at the beginning to be able to develop these um, milestones that they can use the same 
educational sessions and materials while they are a little bit older. So the developmental age is the key here to see if a certain application on QT or a certain curriculum can fit a particular individual or not. And then, as I mentioned, um, we have a variety of like skills in a sense that, for example, we have emotional skills uh, curriculum or we have uh, social skill curriculum, which are more targeted toward the children, which are a little bit more advanced. So they have developed some kind of like a language understanding that they can understand um, simple um, questions and simple instructions and simple spoken language, but also they can somehow respond and use expressive language. So for example, we have sessions for starting a conversation, maintaining a conversation, and for example, like how to properly finish a conversation, which are geared toward children who are basically having the capacity to make a conversation, but we are helping them to do it in the more appropriate way and be able to understand um, the person who is in the conversation with them better and then be able to be more prepared in terms of like, for example, interacting with other people. So I would say in terms of who would be um, in the category of like, for example, users who can benefit from using QT robots, we have uh, early stage development curriculum, which is really focused on very, very early social skills, early cognitive skills, and early language developmental skills that it covers up to 48 months of development. After that, we have um, conversation, uh, we have social skills and emotional uh, sessions that come after. And the interesting thing about QT is that QT is very, very easy to use and easy to program by the uh, end user. So it has been designed uh, to be customizable by the end users who are often like, for example, therapists or educators, because from the beginning, we knew that uh, children with autism, they really um, vary from one, one another in a sense that, for example, every child has its own preferences and uh, basically reinforcements and prompts that work better for them. So by providing a possibility to the end users and autism professionals to be involved in the development of the curriculums and be able to basically create their own materials, we can expand the usability of Q2Robot in a sense that they can look really into the individual child and see what skills are required for them and what is the best way to teach these skills to this particular individual and then be able to come up with the sessions which are exactly targeted to fit the need of this particular individual. So in terms of the therapist, say um, they're doing an emotional session and they're finding that the child um, has got, they've just got this under the knee and they know exactly what they're doing, but they get stuck with the next one. How does the therapist manage this? So so you mean that, for example, like uh, they have a child that, for example, like is working with some sessions and then uh, they need more sessions. That's it. So I'm just saying that, that yeah, the QT is designed that you can do this. Yes. So basically here there is like uh, two possible ways to actually provide more support for children. 
So in our team, we have a board certified ABA therapist supervising the development of the curriculum with especially the educators. And it means that constantly we are releasing new materials and new educational content for children with autism. So for example, now we are working on, for example, interverbal activities, which are an important part of the conversation and allow people to actually be able to make conversations. So based on the feedbacks that we receive from like the therapists, educators, as well as the parents, we are constantly releasing new educational sessions and materials and curriculums. But as I said, in the meantime, there is the possibility for the end users, such as therapists, especially the educators and trainers, to basically create their own material. So Qt has a graphical interface, which is very, very easy to use. And in a matter of, I would say, 15 minutes, every person without any programming background or any IT knowledge would be able to completely learn how to program QT to basically make conversation, to show visual stimuli on a tablet, and then in, create interactive images on the tablet so the robot can ask a question and children can pick an answer to tablet by choosing an image. And this is another way that can really facilitate um, basically create new sessions for QT and make it targeted toward the specific need of children. And this is something that is not in the level of, for example, they can do it if they want, but we already have a lot of users that they are actually doing it. So for example, like let's say we have um, centers and autism professionals which are using Q2 robot, but let's say for example, they want to create sessions and materials in a new language. So for example, they are in US, they want to have a Spanish as well, but a Spanish is not yet uh, provided by Luke's AI, so they can easily uh, start developing their own content in Spanish. This is the same thing that we are experiencing with a lot of different languages. But also we have uh, a specialist who are, for example, a speech and language pathologist, and they want to basically transform their own methodology into something that QT can um, do. So what they do is that they basically replicate exactly the same session that they know is very useful and really impactful on the kids on QT. So basically, instead of them conducting the session, QT would exactly do the session in the same way that they scripted and build it. And this is the combination of like user-generated content by the professionals and content generated by autism professionals in Luxaya is really contributing to have more and more materials and hopefully be able to address the need of more children on the spectrum um, about different skills. Uh, look, I can attest to not having any like major technical skills and I can operate the QT very successfully and um, have used it in a couple of my presentations. So um, I just think it's the most marvelous little robot on the market. I think it's, it's, it's just absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much. You know, this is the, this is the interesting value of having an interdisciplinary team because we started from the point that, of course, I'm a medical doctor and zero technical knowledge, but also in our team, we had autism professionals that they also don't have any technical and programming knowledge. And the idea was that we wanted to give as much independence to autism professionals as possible. So from the beginning, our aim was to make QT so easy to use 
that basically if somebody can use a tablet and can use a smartphone, they should be able to use Q2Robot not just to conduct the sessions, but to build sessions because um, a part of having um, basically successful use cases is that uh, we can bring on board the end users in the developmental level because we don't want to give a pre scripted materials to professionals and force them to actually change the way that they practice. We want QT to be able to adapt the way that the autism professionals practice. And I think this is a very important basically aspect to have the adaptation of the autism professionals because imagine that they have gained a lot of knowledge and a lot of in-depth understanding of what works for children with autism and they don't want to just put it aside and then adapt something new. They want to be able to use all their experience and knowledge into something which is going to assist them to contribute in a better outcome of the education, not to, for example, like completely basically modify uh, what they are doing with children, but to enhance it somehow. Well, it's perfect because the robot is fit for purpose. It's, it's there to help you. you. The humans aren't adapting to the robot. The robot is adapting to the humans' needs. Exactly. And, yes. So, so in terms of, um, you talk about therapists, is it, is it um, available to parents now on the market to use with their kids? So this is something um, that we always wanted to do to make a version of QT robot available for parents as well. But then uh, we were all the time thinking that uh, this is the next generation of QT robot. And we want to make sure that, for example, like we gain a lot of knowledge by working with uh, professionals and autism schools and have QT working for several years in the professional setup. So we can basically perfect the solution before giving it to the parents. Because what happens is that a lot of parents uh, may not necessarily know what would be the best, um, for example, like um, next step for their child in terms of like choosing the lessons and choosing the uh, curriculums for their kids. But also a very important thing about Qt Robot is that Qt is not autonomous and it's not going to be the leader of the session with kids. What we do is that we really want an active participation of uh, uh, human in the educational sessions, mainly for the purpose of the generalization of the skills. So the most important role of QT robot is to facilitate between a child and an educator or a parent. So then the parent and the educator can practice the social skills with the child to hopefully open a door for generalization toward other human being, rather than having a very perfect social interaction with the robot, which is not transferred to the other people. So basically, we thought that working with professionals would give us a lot of knowledge and experience about, for example, what would be the perfect role for the person involved in the session to play, to make sure that the sessions are generalized, and then to learn from the professionals that what are the important things that we have to try to teach to parents to be an effective partner for Q2Robot. So for the past, uh, let's say, three to four years, we were always thinking that the parent version would be something will come next. But when the COVID happened, what we saw is that a lot of uh, parents 
with children with special need basically had to be the leader of the education of the child at home. So there was no possibility for the child to attend the school or attend the training sessions. And then there was a huge demand from the parents to be able to have a tool to be able to replicate some standard sessions at home and contribute in the education of the children. So it really pushed us uh, toward rethinking about the person, parent version and be able to somehow accelerate the development of a solution for parents. So what we did for the parents is that NoQt is uh, available through a subscription model, which QT way more affordable for the parents to have it. But also during the past year, we have developed a lot of like parent training materials and videos in order to support the parents to learn what to do in the interaction. A lot of times QT asks uh, that my assistant will help you or my assistant will practice this with you, which is referring, of course, to the parent and the educator. And then we try to develop a lot of training materials for the parents to know what does this mean? So when QT says my assistant will help you, what is expected from you to actually do to make sure that the child is making the most benefit from the session? And what are the steps that you can take to actually help the child to expand its skills from this interaction with QT robot to the interaction in the daily life? So for example, if you are practicing a session on, let's say for example, emotions with your child or your practicing a session which is geared toward language development when the session is done these are the activities that you can do to expand it and make sure that children learn to generalize these skills that they um, basically learn from the interaction with QT. So as I said now it's available for the parents and then we hope that we can support the parents to be able to somehow replicate some standard sessions and materials at home and contribute in expanding the skills of kids at home while they are not attending the school or just generally when there is a possibility to actually provide some kind of uh, opportunity to practice for kids. So actually during COVID, you, uh, you and the team have been exceptionally busy. Yes, and busy in a good way because uh, we were constantly discussing with uh, parents and professionals and getting their opinion about what would be the perfect solution for them and trying to basically include their feedback in the package for the home and for the parents and make that we are doing our best to be a little bit of support for the parents in this situation. And I listen, I mean, you know what I think of this little robot, I think it's the best thing since sliced cake and um, I think the work that you do is absolutely wonderful. Um, for our audience in Australia, um, should you be interested in or have more questions or more information? Uh, I know Ada is extremely generous with her time, so if you contact me, um, if it hasn't been answered in this session, certainly Ada has always been um, very willing to do Zoom meetings with prospective clients to talk them through questions that we can't answer or that if there's any ambiguity. So, Ada, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, I know it's the beginning of your day. You mentioned that you had a whole heap of snow there, so it's very cold. Um, in Melbourne, it's been a very nice warm day for um, after a very hot day, it's been very mild. So we, we're living on the spectrums of the weather at the moment. 
Yes, you're always jealous of you when it's a winter here. So we know that you have a perfect weather there. Yeah, yeah, so Ada, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, if if the listeners do have any questions, um, where can they reach you if, if I can't handle anything? Can I put your email address up? So uh, we have a contact form uh, in our website and also we have a, a email address info at luxaya.com, which is dedicated to basically being able to uh, answer the questions and provide further explanation and materials for people who are interested. So definitely um, either through you or through uh, the email, uh, info email address of Luxei, I would be very, very happy to address any question and then uh, provide any supporting materials about QT robot or what we discussed today. And um, as always, it's very, very interesting and nice to talk to you and it was lovely to be able to have this small session with you and discuss a little bit more in depth about Q2Robot and what we have done in the past few years. Thank you, Ada. I appreciate that very much. And um, as we already have a QT in the Australian market, so I'm looking forward to a better year this year. And um, listen, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much and wish you a very, very nice evening. Thanks, Ada. Go well. Thanks for joining us today and uh, please do leave a review and follow the podcast and we will see you next week again and have a wonderful day.